Welcome, Kevin. Welcome. Welcome to the Fiber, Kevin. We are so excited to be here. It is October 1st, the official start to spooky season. I'm so happy. I guess we could start off by telling you who we are, although some of you might already know. Uh, Would you like to go first? Sure. Uh, I am Emily O'Brien. I go by Kitty with a cupcake on most corners of the internet, and I am a knitting pattern designer, knitting person. I knit things. That's my job description. (laughs) Uh, I formerly hosted a podcast called F This Knit, so you might know me from that. Awesome. Well, I'm Lauren Brian Wooster, no relation. (laughs) um and i am the dyer behind valkyrie fibers i also knit things as well quite a bit i've been dying since about 2016 i've been dying full-time since about 2017 it's been a wild ride but i'm super thrilled to do it you did you did a better job than i did i've been designing since around the same time as you've been dying we're the same person yeah different We're like the same software, different cases. This will come up frequently. (laughs) It will. We have partially almost the same last name. We got married in the same year. We are within a year of each other's age. Very similar experiences. That's why we're such good friends and why we're going to talk about it over the internet until you're sick of us. (laughs) What is that gorgeous shawl you're wearing, Emily? So I am wearing the Dark Romantic Shawl, uh, which just released to the public on Ravelry and Payhip today. Uh, It was our first ever Fiber Coven mystery knit along. Uh, So members of the coven have been knitting away on it for the past month. It released through September and it was a really fun time. It was my first mystery knit along ever too, not just our first co-mystery knit along. And yeah, it's so fun to see everyone's shawls get made up. And uh, mine is done in your yarns, of course, uh, the ruby red, blood red, and the uh, Hugen and Mugen. Did I say that? I don't know. I think Hugen and Moonen. I don't speak ancient Norse or any sort of like authentic language like that. But, you know, whatever Odin's two ravens are called, that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, and I really enjoy wearing it. It's a crescent shape, so I enjoy that it stays put really nice. You kind of just throw it on, and there it is. Mm -hmm. And you're wearing it with the whitest section at the front, kind of like wrapped around like a big, uh, it's like a big, like a big, big sexy bib, a big hot bib. (laughs) I too am wearing the dark romantic MCAL, but I'm wearing it crosswise. I have it draped around my shoulders. I'll stand up a bit so you can see and across and then it's tied in the back. That's how I like to wear my crescent shawls back. So the widest part is on my back. Um, Just seems how to work for me. I use the other, one of the other kits that we were selling when the MCAL started. This is the Bronte kit and it is my Gashley Crumb Tinies, which is a grayish and then Haunt Me, which is a new colorway for the MCAL for this part, for the lacy bit here. And it's kind of a thistly purple. It's very pretty. Yeah. So uh, I guess we could start off with kind of our little bits of news that we have around the fiber coven. Like we were saying, the dark romantic MCAL just wrapped up. 
but you have until the 15th if you are participating in the Cal to enter your stuff in the finished objects thread or get your posts in on Instagram under Dark Romantic MCAL. That's the hashtag. Yep. Right? That's the yep. hashtag. Good. That is the hashtag. Yes. And we will be drawing from both of those things. Uh, so go ahead and enter both ways so you have mm -hmm. twice as many entries. Lots of prizes to be distributed. And you don't have to have a finished shawl to enter on Instagram under the hashtag. So you can post partially finished shawls there too. Mm -hmm. We have another knit along that is going on. It's going through the end of October and it is the friendship socks knit along. And that's basically where you knit two pairs of socks for you and a friend. Their friend doesn't have to be an adult. It could be, you know, an adult pair and a, kids pair but the whole point is that uh you and a friend or loved one of your choosing have some matching socks yeah it's exciting and like there's no restriction on length they could be short socks or long socks no restrictions on yarn weight because we're asking you to make two pairs of socks yep so that's going through the end of the month yes and you can double dip in any other sock knit alongs that are going on with that we don't mind we encourage it yes Oh. Is an FO thread for that on Ravelry as well. Yay. Mm -hmm. That kind of brings us into our last little bit of news is that it's October 1st. It's officially Socktober. <gasps> Yay. We are We're doing so special excited. blog posts for Socktober, which I'm very excited about. Mm -hmm. You'll get to hear all about our opinions on various sock related topics on our Patreon blog. Mm-hmm. And it's nice because there's so many other like Socktober festivities going on. I just saw that um, Earth Tones girl on Instagram and YouTube, she's having a Socktober thing with hey Mars of Hey Brownberry. They're oh, doing fun. Socktober thing together. And I saw that Tiff Nealon, the designer, she's having an October knit along too. And she's got some sock patterns that are like marly ones. So that's exciting. Lots of Socktober goodness going on. It's really the perfect Yay. time to knit socks because it's like starting to get chilly. So working with wool is fun again. And then you can wear the socks in the winter when you're done with them. Although we generally promote sock making year round. Oh yeah. But <laughs> it's extra festive right now. <laughs> extra festive. Did you finish anything this week? Um, yeah, I did. I said I finished it last week, but really mm. it's finished now which is I wound the fringe on these uh, woven scarves that I have here. And these were woven in your yarn. Uh, <laughs> it's your one of your Sensate colorways. Uh, and there is a detailed blog post up on the Fiber Coven Patreon uh, about how to make your own project like this and how to weave self-striping yarn two different ways with it as the warp and it as the whip. So you can either have vertical pin stripes or thicker horizontal stripes. Uh, and I really That's like so cool. both of them. I love both of them too. It makes me want to learn to weave someday. It's fun. It's, uh, if I we ever get to hang out. Black magic because it is so it much is. faster than knitting. <laughs> if we ever get to hang out in real life, I'd love for you to show me some weaving. Definitely. Someday. Yeah. I might have finished. I don't know if you count this as having finished something, but I put in a couple more um, little puffs on my hexi puffs. So, so I have, <laughs> this is the beginnings of a beekeeper's quilt or like the hexi puffs quilt. I've heard it called several different things, but um, I put a couple of the 
little hexagons in for things that I'll be using for my Socktober socks. So these are my Halloween-y colors, Mirkwood and Woodland Realm, which you'll see a lot more of as time goes on. But I did that one and I did, I want to say a couple more. Oh yeah, and I put in a square of my ruby red colorway as well. I keep calling them squares. They're hexagons. They're hexagons. So you match my shawl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did a couple hexagons on my little hexy puff. Mm-hmm. Beginnings of my hexy puff quilt. It's a hexy puff cushion right now. It, yeah, I was gonna say you could just uh, call it done and say it's a pillow. <laughs> I know. I really like it, and I'm. This is actually all my yarn. So whenever I use a skein of my yarn, I try and make a little puff. And so maybe someday I'll have an enormous quilt that is just yarn that I've dyed. That's very cute. I like it. Yeah. I think that's all I've got as far as finished objects go. That's all I have finished, yeah. All righty. Now we're moving on to our works in progress. What have you been working on, Emily? Well, let me get it for you. Show me, show me. So I have pretty much (gasps) exclusively been working on my Descent sweater. So good. Which has not just one but two sleeves. So it's fully knit now. It just needs fully knit now. And I was actually planning on doing the steak before we recorded today. So you could be very impressed with me. But then I learned that you're supposed to block before you do the steak. Um, mm. So I haven't blocked it yet because I wanted to be able to show it to you, but I wove in all the ends. So as soon as we're done recording this, I will block it. And it fits Yay. really nice. I tried it on and the sleeves are the same length and everything. I think they're exactly the same amount of rows uh, because there wasn't a ton of these sleeves that was just like knit for however many inches, which is where you can get into sleeves not matching. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah. only thing that was like that was the cuffs. And I did count how many rows I did on the first cuff just because I'm anal retentive like that. I've started to count my rows too for things. It was also only 26 rows. It's worsted weight yarn. So it's not like it was some huge burden to figure that out. But yeah, I'm very excited. It's so soft. So the yarns that I'm using are um, Cece's wool. uh, And I forget what, it might've been royal purple, uh, but it was one of the two giant yarn baby skeins um, that I got at Rhinebeck last year. Uh, so this is my Rhinebeck sweater for this year. I'm going to try and get it done to wear for virtual Rhinebeck and be all cute. And then the uh, silver color is, I think, called silver and is from Cozy Color Works um, that I also got at their booth in Rhinebeck last year. Woohoo! Woo! And I do have a good chunk of a ball left. So a decision that I need to make is do I want to do the button band in the purple or the silver? The pattern has it written in the purple. That's a tough call. My first inclination was the silver. Yeah, and I have enough of both yarns. I was a little concerned last time we talked that I wouldn't have enough of the purple, but I mean, I've got Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've got a good amount. My buttons are brass. They're Victorian vintage brass buttons. So I think that would look nice on either. I know. Decisions, decisions. Yeah, so I'm not totally sure what I'm going to do. Yeah, time to scour other people's project pictures and see. I know. People have definitely done it both ways, so I need to uh, snoop and see if I can find one with similar uh, value differences in color Mm -hmm. like mine to see if it bothers me having, like, a lighter stripe down the middle. 
That's a good point. Maybe purple would be best. It might draw too much attention to my stomach region. Well, just your whole like midsection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, it would be different if you did like contrast cuffs and like the bottom hem, like. Yeah. Then it would be like all matchy, but I didn't do any contrast in the sleeves. They're just solid purple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the dark purple is the way to go. I do think that the buttons might pop a little bit more on the dark background than the lighter background, mm-hmm. too. So Sounds like we've might, come to an agreement. I think that might be what I do. Mm-hmm. And then I have, like, basically a whole skein of the silver, so I could make, like, a hat out of it or something. Because I needed it for, like, two rows of the yoke. <laughs> These things happen. Mm-hmm. That's my main whip. Mm-hmm. I have one main whip as well. I cast on the Ripple Bralette. Ooh. I, was, I was biding my time before October started. Um, and I did because waiting for all my October 1st cast ons. Uh, so I needed a little project. So I cast on the Ripple Bralette in some serendipitous wool. This is her MCN base in the um, Nasturtium so way. I really like it. it. There was more. You the green was more pronounced in the skein, but I love the way it's knitting up. It's. I really, really like. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a fall landscape. Hmm. Yeah, I'm so excited about having this on these titties. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's super cute. I was worried that it was going to be too big at first, but as I'm holding this up here. Um, it doesn't seem that way. I have uh, apparently strange ideas about what size my body actually is, even though I know the measurements. Like I know what what's like chest circumference I am, but I'm like, oh, is this that? I'm apparently not. But I think it'll fit. I think it'll be great. Um, to make another one of those that actually fits me. Hmm. I kind of have like a new group of friends that I see somewhat, and I can tell that I am. I'm like getting to be actually close to them because knitting this while I was <laughs> spending some time with them the other day. You know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I was on Tuesday. It was a, it was a not great situation. <laughs> Anyways, hanging out with my new friends and I was knitting on this and I can tell they're starting to get to know me and I'm getting to know them because they're starting to be like, oh, that's really cool. I would wear that. And I'd be like, <laughs> I'd make one for you. So I, there might be another ripple bralette in my future for a new friend. Nice. And another um, modified kitties are cute hat for another of my new friends. Nice. Can't wait to like bedeck all my new friends in knitwear this winter. So fun. <laughs> anyway, Ripple Bralette in gorgeous serendipitous wool on the MCN. It's such a nice quick project too. And you can get by with just using one skein of fingering weight for most of the sizes. Like even my size, I can just use one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have more than enough, but I'm a pretty small person both in like general size and titties and I've got much there mm-hmm. I'm usually like the extra large 1x size mm-hmm. in most patterns that have like standard sizes like that listed but yeah it was and I had plenty left over I have made two scrunchies out of the leftovers and I'm still gonna be able to make a blanket square or two so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I'm excited about this it's probably gonna get put aside as I move on to Socktober stuff but um, it's honestly the most of it's done. Yeah. I'm yeah. done with most of the body. And then you right gotta now. do the triangle part. Yeah. Yeah. I've got like an inch more of the body and then the triangle parts and then the straps. And that should go pretty quickly. 
But yeah, I love it. I'm really excited about it. Um, I also have one little um, partial whip, if you'd like to see. I've started my Socktober socks. Oh, they're so Tom Smalls. Little toes. <laughs> little bitty toes. Little cast on for today. I've got some toes. I'm going to work these two at a time. These are uh, a pair of friendship socks that I already knit the other sock for. So it's this one. Um, and it's going to be very similar. So the first pair of friendship socks that I knit, I use my Gashley Crumb Tiny's colorway, same as in my shawl here, which is a grayish and this gorgeous nomadic yarns BFL and these like autumnal browns and grays and blacks. It's very squishy. I love the BFL base. We're big BFL fans here. And then I'm knitting the matching pair of friendship socks for me in that same main stripey yarn. And then I'm using, um, for the contrast, this mustard yellow from Archaic Fibers in the Gold Lion colorway. It's my favorite mustard yellow. That's nice. Archaic Fibers is rad. Um, and that will be my little two at a time socks for Socktober. These will be my vanilla socks. And those are my works in progress. Did you have any more works in progress? Just my uh, friendship socks. This is the last of the uh, Bifrost Myth socks that I've been working on. Yay. I'm doing two shorty pairs, one for my sister and one for me. And this is the fourth sock. Um, so I'm sure it will uh, fly now that I'm not working on sleeves. Yeah, I had to pause it to get those sleeves, sleeves going. Mm -hmm. And then I want to get that sock done really quick so I can do my Socktober cast on because I don't like to have, I often do it, but I'm bad at having more than one pair of socks on the needles because one pair inevitably gets abandoned for the other. So I like to try and only have one pair of socks on the needles. These, this is the truth. I, I generally have one pair of socks on the needles, but Socktober is special. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to cast on all the socks as soon as I get done with my work for today. That's fair. I think that's all the whips we have, right? Yep. So <laughs> to talk about anything, we've got this week for a little acquisitions. I didn't get any yarn, but I did, I did get something at the post office today. I was uh, at the post office mailing orders. And since we're, we have stickers now for Fiber Coven, I've been mailing out some things just in envelopes, not in like full on packaging because it's not yarn. And they had Halloween stamps. Those so are I got, fun. They're so fun. I just got some Halloween Forever stamps at, at the post office. They're, they're shiny. They're shiny. They're shiny and they have little bats and cats and spiders and ghosts. It's assorted just thought, spooky things in like a window. Yeah, that's like little stained glass window of shiny, spooky stamps. And I thought these would be fun year-round to just mail out the Fiber Coven stickers with a little spooky stamp. And they're forever stamps. And when you have the money, you might as well load up on forever stamps, right? It's true. I should get some mm -hmm. of those. Those are really fun. They're super fun. That is my one tiny little acquisition I've got this week. I Although received I did one thing in the mail, but I'm going to have to talk about it on Instagram later anyway. So. Mm-hmm. Shall we move on to our final segment? Yeah. So now for our final segment, we're going to have a cult corner. And for this little bit, since we're a witchy-themed, fiber-related uh, podcast, we thought we'd have a little segment called a cult corner, 
where we would just talk about whatever something from history or nature or mythology, something kind of occult or off the beaten path related to talk about at the end of every episode. It's festive. It's October 1st. We're excited. We're just going to go in with the easy target this week, and we're going to talk about the Salem Witch Trials for a hot second. Yes. It's, it's, an, it's a very interesting topic. It comes up in a lot of movies and everything mm-hmm. about witches. Uh, I, we just recently watched Hocus Pocus, and I was uh, deciding that Hocus Pocus takes in, place in an alternate universe where there were no Salem witch trials, and the witch events they had were just the ones with the Sanderson sisters, because they don't bring it up at all, even though it happened the same year as the actual historical event in the movie. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I know the historical timeline, but like what, and so that that might be fudged a bit, but worse things have been fudged in movies. Um, What if the Sanderson sisters uh, hanging was the start of the Salem witch trials and everything happened that those were the first like witches to be persecuted in the, in the Hocus Pocus. Yeah, that definitely makes sense, but they just like never talk about the actual Salem witch trials at all in that movie, even though there's a teacher telling the story of the Sanderson sisters. At one point they go to the museum of their house and nothing mm-hmm. comes up. It's a good point. But to be fair, like the topic of the Salem witch trials, like in actual history is not for kids. It's, it's, it's sad. True. I mean, lots of people die. It's a, yeah. <laughs> it's a sad group of angry assholes. Mm-hmm. We're very bad to each other. Yeah. Um, uh, I know we've both listened to the Unobscured podcast, which if you're interested in hearing a historical retelling of the Salem Witch Trials, I highly recommend it. There's lots of really good references and deep dives into the history. And like, I mean, I think the first or second episode is just all about like what religions all of the players involved were, because that like really plays a lot into why they're so mad at each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We both really liked the unobscured podcast. It's good, like serialized mm-hmm. info. And I've actually uh, listened to a lot of the books they referenced. Like that's how I found a lot of the other books on the topic I've listened to. I also really liked, and it was one of the um, historians that they interviewed for unobscured, uh, Stacey Schiff's book, uh, 1692, which is about the Salem witch trials. That's also a really good, really good one to learn from. Nice. So since we both like listened to some podcasts and read a few books on the topic, um, we discussed there's not a single likable character in this entire history. So Emily, I'm going to ask you. Everyone is terrible. (laughs) Everyone is awful. Who are your problematic faves versus the people you hate the most? Like the person you would least like to be trapped in an elevator with. Oh, okay. So problematic fave is Giles Corey and part of that is because of the crucible but part of it is just because like that's such an interesting like way to die and to like say to put on more weight I mean what a good what a good dramatic storytelling thing yeah uh, that actually happened Mm -hmm. but he was a terrible person Like he, I mean, he, it was the 1600s. So of course there was some spousal child abusing going on. uh, And he was probably 
addicted to alcohol and abused his children as a result of yeah so not not an all-around great person but but like had a really good death yeah giles Corey had like one of the most memorable deaths in all of the salem witch trials and if you didn't know he's the fellow who got pressed to death where they essentially put the equivalent of a door on top of him and put rocks on it until he died Mm -hmm. which is pretty bad and they were like were they asking him to confess to being a, a witch or just asking him to like repent or something? And then he's like, yeah. put more weight on. Yeah. And those he's were his like, last screw, words. Screw you guys. <laughs> yeah. He used the last air in his lungs to, to give them the verbal finger mm-hmm. instead of saying whatever they wanted him to say. But I kind of like Giles Corey is probably a terrible human, but like, I almost kind of want to like him because his wife was accused first. And one of the reasons that she probably was accused was that she had a mixed race child from a previous relationship. So I like, I kind of like want to like him because he like, I, I, it's not, I mean, it doesn't say anything like how he treated his mixed race stepson, but like the fact that like, this was still a part of his wife's life. Like she still like cared for her mixed race son. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, and I mean, in the 1600s, like that was a lot bigger of a couldn't deal. Just not been married to her <laughs> or kicked her out, or right? Whatever, right? Yeah, right. Like mm-hmm. that would have been a big disqualification for her for finding a, a, you know, a husband is having any children to begin with. Nonetheless, a mixed race one. Like my total problematic fave. She sounds awful. Is definitely Sarah Good. That was and my I'm, second choice. <laughs> I know. I'm like super prejudiced because in my eighth grade play that I wrote, I played her as well. Oh, nice. I had to do this for school. I was not like, it wasn't something I wanted to do. Um, They made us put on a play and I'm sure I had something to do with the picking of Salem Witch Trials. Um, And I was definitely involved with writing it. God, which is so awful. But I played Sarah Good, who was, who was basically the town's angry beggar. Um, And she, she, was in um actually in the book I just learned it seemed like her family did used to be financially secure I don't know about necessarily wealthy but certainly wasn't homeless and this had all happened in her life like she had made some bad choices and the people she'd been married to had made some bad choices which led to her being homeless and a beggar and she was not thrilled about it and she was generally mean to people when asking for their help um which which I get I'm mean Mm-hmm. but uh she's she seemed a little of a challenging person to like but uh, as they as she was on the gallows she she definitely used her last breath to uh to give everyone the finger too she's what was her what were her last words something like i'm no more of a witch than you are a wizard and if you like take my life god will give you blood to drink something, something like along that. those lines yeah mm-hmm. And that guy, one of the, the judges that was there, he, when he died, it was some sort of thing where he was coughing up blood. So it was like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So who do you hate the most? Like find the most annoying in all of this? So <laughs> I, I have one that's influenced by the Crucible and Crucible movies more so than the actual never historical retelling. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was a theater major in (laughs) college, so I'm definitely very familiar with The Crucible. Uh, And yeah, Abigail is so annoying. She's just like, I mean, girl, 
what you doing? What you doing? You're, you're causing so many problems. Uh, but I don't really hate her as much as I hate all of the judges, 100% of the judges, the pastor who got involved and stuff. Yeah. I, oh they're, they're all the worst. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, so Abigail is annoying, but more so in like the movies and the, uh, the play because it's so clearly uh like contrived and she's like doing it on purpose for attention and there's like stuff about her having various affairs potentially and stuff but i mean Mm -hmm. historically she was a a young girl at this time so her life sucked i'm sure and she was just like lashing out because her life totally sucked so that's a little bit more understandable but like all the men who were in charge are the worst (laughs) i think that the characters i say characters these are real humans the real humans that come off the most like terrible to me is definitely Samuel Paris. Oh, he seems he's the worst. <laughs> like I just learned, like, well, the book I just read was very much got into the nitty gritty of like who hated who and why. But it really seems like this was the only time he was ever like a religious authority. Like he did other things in his life before this. Like he had secular jobs before and secular jobs after. He's like heart really wasn't in it and he made everything like terrible he like asked for the deeds to the parish house too like it's you know like no you get to live there while you do the job and he would just nickel and dime the community about everything and he's just awful and it's his kids that are like starting this and i hate all the putnams too the putnams are the worst too yeah and i mean uh, i don't remember her name like like we were just talking about, like all the young people and like the servants that were accusing people, like, yeah, your life is terrible. It must have so been like really terrible to be a woman. Then. Yeah. But I really hate, I forget her what her name, but like Mama Putnam, who like got in on the accusing, like you're a grown woman. Mm-hmm. Like you need to not do this and sentence your neighbors to die. Because you like want their land? Yikes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I th- Unobscured seemed to take the uh, the stance that uh, Paris uh, perhaps had some remorse later in life, and that's why he didn't uh, continue being as religious later in life, because he kind of, like, mm-hmm. saw that he had caused a huge problem. Yeah. Giant, huge problems. I think that's a reason I really like the Unobscured series uh, because it talks a lot about the external and internal relations, whereas other things I book or other books I've read have focused mainly on like the internal things with Salem Village and Salem Town and the the deeds and the land and who hated who and why. But I think the context of like all their awful colonizer wars that were going on is a pretty helpful thing that's discussed too. Like I, I can understand how in that situation they would be fearful. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd really like to go visit Salem, the town sometime. And I'd like to go on a historical walking tour. I have, I know of some feminists like witch trial uh, tours that go around Salem and just like other like, haunted stories and stuff around there that sounds really fun uh and there's a lot of like occult witch shops in salem and it's like upper 
East Coast, so it's pretty foliage and stuff. So it would be really fun to go there. That would totally be a work expense if we were to go one fall. I know, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Business expense. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So the other. There. Ooh, we'd have to go check that out for mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So the other little like topic of discussion I was thinking of as far as the Salem witch trials go. Any history is not about when it actually happened. It's about when the author is writing it or the reader is reading it. You know, we pick up certain things for a reason. How do you think that all this has got to do with our our current life, our current world? Uh, I mean, (laughs) it's a witch hunt. Is uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. This is kind of an ironic question. If you're listening <laughs> to us in the future, it is October 1st of 2020, and we're in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm imagining some alien watching this, like thousands of years in the future, going, "Oh God, yeah, no, I get that." Yikes! Things uh, are bad. Yeah, go vote, I mean, everyone. That phrase, that witch hunt phrase, would I feel like probably exist because there were other witch hunt type times but uh salem is so much closer to us uh in terms of years historically than any other ones Mm -hmm. uh and it's one of the only ones in our specific corner of the world so many other historical witch trials would have been in europe yeah and another thing too is i'm pretty sure that a thing that made the salem witch trials so historically memorable is that they were so late that's yeah that's why a lot of mm-hmm. the other ones were in like medieval times. Yeah, and we're just like, and 1692 is like the cusp of the Enlightenment. <sighs> it's got some uh, strong parallels to current America with um, that. No, I'm not gonna say petty because I don't think it's petty, but like extreme factionalism yeah. and persecution, concerned about <laughs> others and outsiders and people who are different than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, we've we've definitely got some very similar concerns in modern times. Mm-hmm. Things are, I'll say it again, things are not great. Make sure you go vote, everyone. Please vote. Please vote. Let's <laughs> uh. Well, let's try and end our a cold corner on more of an upbeat note as opposed to like the horrible parallels that the Salem witch trials have to pre-2020 election America mm-hmm. um, about something else. Is there anything else witchy going on in your life that you're interested in? Um, so I'm reading a terrible, well, it's not terrible. I'm reading a trashy book uh, and some people will probably get mad at me for calling it trashy, but I call nearly every romance style book trashy. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm not a romantic comedy type of person and I have a hard time reading uh, romantic stories often. Uh, so it's called A Discovery of Witches by Deborah Har- Harkness, I think. And uh, it's about a witch falling in love with a vampire. It's very much adult twilight. There, She's like in her 30s and the vampire appears to be in his 30s even though he's a vampire so he's old right. as hell. Uh, but she is descended from uh, a Salem witch. Uh, she is uh, a bishop. So that's ah, a whole thing. Yes. And they like old, own their old house and stuff and they live like up in uh, northern east coast area where, where her aunts live it's it's a very tropey book she has two aunts uh it kind of tries to 
be a little bit different with the tropes because her two aunts are lesbians instead of being sisters. So that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, a very tropey vampire romance book that I'm reading. Uh, that's nice. Perfect for October. Fun, fictional witch nonsense. Everyone loves it. Yeah, you got to just roll around in that kiddie pool of the things you like sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. It, has, it has good world building. Uh, some of the romance, I mean, you got to, there's some, some vampire romance stuff is just too much for me. The age difference, the inevitable daddy issues that that surfaces and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. All righty. That sounds good. That's that's a little more pleasant way to, to wrap things up. Vampire trash. <laughs> yeah, horny vampires. Horny vampires. Woohoo! Alrighty, moving on. Let's do some shameless self-promotion now. So as we talked about in the beginning, the shawl we're both wearing, the dark romantic shawl, is now available. Emily, tell us a little more. Uh, so this is a fingering weight lace shawl. Uh, it uses two colors of fingering weight yarn. Uh, not quite whole skeins, but you probably want a whole skein just to be safe. And you could do it all in one color if you want, but why not do two? Because colors are fun. And it's a crescent shaped shawl. Like we said, when we were talking about how much we like wearing it, uh, it's available on Ravelry and Payhip. So if you're not using Ravelry, there is an option for you. If you purchase it on Ravelry, it comes with all of the Clue uh, PDF formats. If you wanted to knit it like the Mystery Knit Along, it's, of course, just the same pattern. It doesn't have pictures uh, like the full PDF does. And it is fully charted and fully written. So you can either use charts for the whole thing or you can use written instructions for the whole thing, uh, which is nice. Yay. Yeah. I obviously knit one too. It's super fun. I like it because um, it builds in complexity. Mm -hmm. I guess since the mystery is over, we can talk all about it. Yeah, that's true. So it's inspired by Gothic architecture. That is where a lot of the shapes in the lace come from. And especially, it'll actually probably be easier to show this on Lauren's shawl because hers is a lighter color. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are points that go into uh, chevrons that are kind of inspired by the classic Gothic archway. Yeah. So it's nice. It starts off pretty simple with just these lines you're working on, and then you work into the points, which are slightly more complicated. And then you get, I saw it as a little bit of a break where you work in your second color. Half of the rows are just garter, and then you have a little bit of uh, lace work in between Mm -hmm. and then the last chart is the complicated lace it's I didn't think it was too bad but it's not too bad there aren't there aren't very many complicated stitches it's just uh there's a lot going on visually with this lace Mm -hmm. Um, but nothing more than a centered double decrease or a knit two together ssk there's no like make seven into one or any of that kind of stuff right yeah and they kind of form like kind of like leaf fan um looking things Mm -hmm. and then everything is capped off with a picot bind off uh, which is of course optional you don't have to do the picot bind off but I think it gives it that little extra lacy touch which is nice and uh, lots of people while they were working on it during the MCAL said that it was a really fun knit um, because I specifically tried to make it so all of the clues were really different so you got a different experience each week rather than just being like yeah repeat that same chart you just repeated a bunch more Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great pattern. Thank you. 10 out of 10. Would recommend. 
Yay. Um, I, Lauren of Valkyrie Fiverr, <laughs> I'm going to be having, um, I'm going to be having a shop update on Sunday, October 4th at 9 a.m. Pacific. That's when I always do my updates for all of us who pray at the Church of Yarn. And this will be my first week having fiber for sale, which is exciting. So exciting. Um, for the not, I'm going to, although I teased you with the fiber now, I'm going to talk about the not fiber because I only have a couple skeins. Oh, I did. I did. I, since I ran out in my last update of Woodland Realm, my, one of my Halloween colorways, there's still some Mirkwood left. I did more Woodland Realm on both Chunky. So this is 100% Superwash Merino. Um, chunky. Trying to like have it focus. Yes. And this yeah. is a super autumnal warm mm -hmm. orange. Uh, it has some deeper brown speckles and some kind of like reddy tonalness going on. Yeah. And it just it's, like looks like fall foliage. It actually really comes up different on different bases. So this is on this chunky base here. It's pretty much a nice pumpkin-y orange with some red tones, some yellow tones, and some dark tones and dark speckles overlaid. So that's how it comes out on the chunky. And the, my chunky base is 100% superwash merino, and it's like 106, just over 100 yards per 100 grams. So that's that. And then I also have it on my BFL sock base, which is an 80-20 blend of superwash BFL and nylon. And this one is definitely less, a little less pumpkin-y and more like autumnal leaves orange with those same like red and yellow background tones and lots of dark speckles. This one's a little darker mm -hmm. in And this general. is the color that my autumnal equinox mitts and hat patterns are knit out of. They're mm -hmm. knit on the tweed base, but it's a fingering weight base, so you could definitely use the BFL for it too. Yeah, for sure. And then this one, it will like even out a little bit and it generally things even out when you knit them up. Mm -hmm. It looks pretty tonal now, but it'll, it'll even out when you knit it. I think it's real pretty. But funny. I also did it on some fiber. I did Ooh. it on, I'm slowly learning how to knit, or not knit, how to dye fiber. And it is interesting. So this is Woodland Realm. I didn't know you on, did it on the fiber. I know, it's a surprise. So it's this, it's actually pretty interesting. I did this on my panda, the panda sock mm -hmm. base from um, Ashland Bay. That's where I get my fiber from anybody was interested um, I'm calling it sock top I think that's what I'm calling this one but it's honestly it looks like I use the same amount of dye like per 100 grams and this is just an experiment to see how it turns out everything is way more pronounced on the fiber mm -hmm. there's little pops of yellows and reds and oranges and there's honestly some undyed spots because I'm treating this stuff very gently and then there's dark speckledy bits um, it's just really fun. And like, this looks like a pile of leaves on the forest floor to me. It does. I really like this space. It's, um, 60% superwash merino, 30% nylon, or no, 30% bamboo, 10% nylon. So it'd be really good for a sock spin or something that you wanted to be more durable. Nice. So I have that. And then I did a couple fun experimental colorways, um, on fiber as well. I am calling this one Tequila Sunrise. It's Fun. mostly purple, but with this little like gradient from like an electric lemon yellow and some like pinky orangey bits, but mostly purple. Very fun. And I will have this on all three of my fiber bases, the sock one I just mentioned 
and I have a 19.5 micron merino and a 100% organic Polworth. And I've spun all these up, they're very nice. So this is the Tequila Sunrise, I'll have it on all three bases. And then I had one last one that I'm calling Sorbet Rainbow. It's so cute. I'll wind it into a little, little ball. And it, it's just a little like light neon rainbow. It's very candy. I like it. Yeah, it's cheerful. I love it. So these are the things that will be in my shop update next Sunday. That's so exciting. I'm excited for you to have fiber. Me too. I hope people like it. It'll be interesting to see if people actually buy it. I hope so. Me too. Woohoo. Woo. And I I think I that's it. One oh. more thing on my oh, end. Oh, please. Which is that the Stronghold Cowl, which is a Aaron Waite, uh, really simple cowl pattern that I have uh, previously published through Knit Picks, uh, is now available in a, my self-published format. Uh, so you can purchase it on Ravelry and Payhip. Uh, if you purchase it from me on Ravelry or PayHip, it will be in my standard kitty with a cupcake pattern formatting. Uh, and I have included a chart for the texture stitch that is not included in the Nitpicks version. You can also buy it from the Nitpicks website if you like the Nitpicks uh, formatting. But if you like my formatting, you can get it from me, which is exciting. Yeah. And that came out two years ago in September, and it is an Erin Waite uh, cowl with some pearl ridges and some slip stitches. It'd be a very good beginner pattern. It's just knit pearl slip in the round. It's very easy. And it's just like chunky and you can double wrap it up. It's super warm. Uh, mine was knit in Knit Picks City Tweed Heavyweight, um, but you could do it in any earring weight yarn or really any weight yarn that you wanted. Nice. Mm -hmm. I generally prefer your formatting to the Knit Picks formatting. I may too, but I... Uh, <laughs> enjoy making money from no. nitpicks so no no nitpicks is great we like nitpicks they're affordable they've been using non-standard looking models for years and years and years they support indie designers they give us really good yarn for not too much money yay nitpicks yeah but you can also buy projects things a lot more accessible and mm -hmm. quality fiber a lot more accessible than a lot of other yarn companies which is nice for sure Yay. Awesome. Happy first week of us recording like big kids. Well, With, like microphones me. and everything. Microphones and everything. Emily's a pro at this. It's just me who sucks. I'll get better. <laughs> we're, we're having fun and that's what counts. Yes. And we're always thrilled to be here sharing our shenanigans with you mm -hmm. and uh, until next week Kevin, well, before we go oh, we should say we that go. you can find us on social media if right. you'd like to follow our social medias uh we are fiber coven on instagram and uh lauren is valkyrie underscore fibers on instagram i'm kitty with a cupcake on instagram both of those are linked in the fiber coven one so if you just want to go to fiber coven to find us that works too mm -hmm. and you can find podcast show notes at fibercoven.com and uh, all of our episodes there and you can find our patreon at patreon.com slash fiber coven uh, where we have all of our exclusive blog content. Uh, there is also video format of everything that we just talked about. You could uh, patron us and view a video of that instead of just having the audio content. 
as well as our special office hours content, which is where we talk about uh, behind the scenes uh, stuff that we're working on, business kind of things that we're talking about, new ideas that we have. It's a really good way to get sneak peeks. Um, yeah, and I think that's pretty much all the places you can find us on the interwebs. Yeah, we'd love to see you in any of those places. And we'd love for you to join our Patreon. Our, honestly, I really like our Discord. Our Discord group that you can get access, that patrons have access to, is really nice. It's full of nice, helpful people. And we love to talk with all of them. Yeah, Come we join have us. a whole thread for the MCAL, but people just talk generally. There's a whole witchcraft corner on there. It's fun times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Come join us. Mm -hmm. Alrighty, thanks for spending your time with us, and uh, thank you for being part of our online fiber coven. And until next week, keep making yarn magic, friends. Bye.